At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with portrait and street photographer Danny Oshi. Danny is originally from Venezuela, but he currently lives in Belgium, where he takes beautiful street photographs, corporate portraits, and more. We talk about his beginnings, what it was like to move from one country to another and start a business there, tips he'd give to studio photographers, and much more. Please enjoy. We have an amazing community at photographycourse.net where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, join photography contests, and much more. In our community, you'll also find a 52-week project that will provide you with weekly educational videos and challenges to help you improve your skills on a regular basis. This is an amazing opportunity for you to not only enhance your skills, but also grow your network and have a wholesome experience as a photographer. We're so inspired by the amazing photographs that our members post every day. When you join our community, you'll be able to make new friends and share your progress with a passionate group of people. None of this would be possible without our members' support, so we're very grateful. In order to keep things running, we're offering exclusive membership plans that will give you access to every part of our community and our premium courses. Use the discount code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD to get 50% off your first year as a member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join and use the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD without any spaces to claim your discount. Hi, Danny. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Taya. It's uh, very nice to be here with you. So thank you very much for the invite. I am Danny Oshi. I'm a photographer currently based in Brussels, Belgium. And I'm originally from Venezuela. And I have Italian roots. And yeah, I moved to Belgium about 10 years ago. And I've been doing professional photography ever since. It's really interesting 
Before we dive into your story, I'd like to know more about your gear. So what camera equipment do you use? Well, it depends. I have uh, I have two uh, main cameras. One is a Canon uh, 5D Mark IV. I use for my professional photography. So when I work for a client, I tend to use that camera. And for my personal photography, which is mainly street photography, I use a Sony, the Sony Alpha 7. It's one of the first models that they, they got out. I also use a lot my phone, which is an iPhone uh, 11. And I take photos with the iPhone of mainly my daughter because I became a father recently, almost three years ago. And every time I'm with her, I cannot use my, my big gear. It's too uncomfortable. So I just use my phone and I've been developing a project about my daughter with that, with the iPhone, which is, you know, very interesting. It's really interesting. It's cool that you have such a diverse list of equipment because you are able to adapt to different situations. As you said, you can't always carry your camera with you, but you still want to take good photos of your daughter and you have your smartphone camera for that. By the way, I saw your Instagram page and there was a whole collection of photos of your daughter in different environments, which I thought was genius. It's such a great way to capture somebody's childhood. I wasn't expecting to do any project about my daughter. I was, the beginning was, it was quite rough to have a, a child all of a sudden. And um, yeah, for different personal reasons, it was complicated. And uh, I was just taking photos with my phone, like, you know, memories and just not paying too much attention to what I was doing. I was, I was craving to take photos with my camera. And I wasn't taking it out. And I was a bit against using my phone to take photos, like photos that I consider like real photos for me, at least for, for my projects and stuff. But I realized that uh, I was missing an opportunity and I decided to use my camera in a more like I'm using a camera kind of way. And so I started flipping my phone, uh, you know, horizontally so I could take photos of her as I would have, you know, my Sony and it started working. I started liking the results. So I started using it more and more and more. And then uh, I started sharing some of those photos. And now she invaded my Instagram because I, I mostly take photos of her right now, personally. I'm not doing a lot of street photography at the moment. And that's also a choice. But I'm happy also taking photos of my daughter. It's, it's quite interesting uh, to just take photos of her. Working with children is always fun because they are unpredictable. They don't usually like to pose for the camera. So you have to adapt to that as well. And I think that can be really refreshing for your creativity. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I still don't have any objective with this project of taking photos of her. And she's she's very pure and, and raw. And she doesn't care that I'm with my camera. I, I don't ask her to pose at all. I, I never ask her to do anything. She just does her thing and I adapt to the situation. I move around so I can capture photos of her. The photos that I publish do not uh, reflect her face because I prefer keeping her face uh, private. And so all of the photos you're going to you're going to notice that you can you cannot see her really. I mean, you see her her body, her shape, but you cannot see her face. And that's a choice. That's my choice. But that doesn't mean that the only photos I take of her are like that. I also take photos when she's turning towards the camera and those I keep for myself and my family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, everyone has their own sense of privacy and I respect that. I think it's great because you don't always have to show someone's face when you share your photos, uh, your portrait photos, let's say, with the world. And they can still be very interesting photos that tell a story. I consider myself a street photographer and I, I'm used to take photos of people in the streets and have their faces on the on the 
you know, on the photo. And for me, it's important to see the expressions and maybe what you're doing with your face and stuff. But it is true uh, that uh, yeah, not showing a face can also have a strong impact on, on, on your photo. It doesn't bother me that I cannot see, uh, that you cannot see my daughter's face uh, on the photos. I, I don't think it removes any anything to the photo. I think it potentially adds to the photo, as you're saying. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it definitely adds something to the photographs. I also noticed that they were all faceless. They couldn't see your daughter's face, but it was just uh, added to the mystery. It's like, what is she doing? Is there a story here? It's fascinating. And I like to take faceless photos of people sometimes, even if it's not for the sake of privacy. It's just a great way to express your creativity while also kind of staying anonymous. Yeah, definitely. That's I guess that's the power of photography, you know, that we can we can do whatever we want with it and uh, express how we uh, how how we want what we want to show. Uh, yeah, photography can can help us do that. So so yeah, of course. Yeah, it's amazing. And you've been taking photos for quite some time. You started at the age of eleven, which is amazing to me. How did you get started? I grew up surrounded by photos of my father that were hanging around in the house. And I was always curious about these photos because he, he was focusing a lot on details and stuff. I remember seeing those photos and thinking like, what, what is this? You know, like, what, what is this thing? How, how did my father, my father do this? And I realized that it was with a camera and he showed me what camera he was using to, you know, do these photos. And I started getting curious and I started taking photos. He bought me a couple of rolls. He didn't explain much about it. He just told me, take some photos, change the settings, note down what you're doing on each photo that you take. And then we, re we will reveal the photos and you will see how they have an impact on, on, on the photo itself. So I started doing that. And of course, <laughs> the first roles were a disaster. But little by little, I started understanding how I was. I don't remember taking any, any lessons at that age. I really don't remember. My dad told me a little bit like, yeah, this shutter speed, this is the aperture and stuff. You can see how it changes the effect on, on, on the photo. And I started playing around with their camera and I used it for many years. And then I started switching to digital photography because it was, you know, we, we started getting these small digital cameras and I started using those, but it was more like a hobby kind of thing. Just, you know, when I was with my friends, taking some photos here and there. It basically started because of my dad and his photos that were hanging around in the house that got my attention and and then just using his analog uh, camera from you know back in the days it's really interesting and it's very heartwarming to know that your father inspired you to get into photography and he guided you throughout that process but then how did you start your own business how long did it take before you started offering photography services to clients uh it actually took a long long time i was passionate about photography and I, I did it when I had the time and I was mainly doing it when I was traveling. So I was not paying too much attention to it in my daily life, I mean. But then I, I had the opportunity to move to Belgium and I am originally an IT, so I'm a developer. And I wanted to switch careers a little bit and wanted to be outside more. I was very curious about the world and I was very curious about taking photos in general. And so I decided to start a business in, in Belgium when I, when I got here. I didn't know absolutely anything about starting a business. I didn't know much about professional photography and I, I had some savings. So I told myself, I'm going to give myself about a year or a year and a half to give it a try. 
I'm gonna try to make some connections. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know the language. It was it was very complicated, but uh, but I managed in the end. It took me it took me a while, but I managed. And one of the first things that I did was that I contacted, I think about six or seven professional photographers based in in, in Brussels. Uh, by the time that I that I got here, and I met with them, I was trying to see if they would be interested in in teaching me a little bit, you know, on on speaking to me about their experience. And most of them actually rejected me, except one person that took me under his wing, and he taught me many of the things that I I now know about professional photography. And I can say with uh, a lot of certainty that it was because of that of having someone there guiding me along the way that I managed to be where I am today. He was not like the uh, the ultimate uh, guide to me. Of course, I also have to find my way and do my own thing. But uh, he, he really helped me avoiding a bunch of potential obstacles and, and, and roadblocks. And he definitely helped me go faster. Let's put it like that. That's really interesting. And it's so great that we were able to find someone because I think when you reach out to a lot of people and they all say no to you, it can be quite discouraging. So I'm happy that you found someone who was willing to take you under their wing and teach you things and guide you. And it's definitely true. Having a mentor can make a huge difference. If you do everything on your own, then you might still be able to succeed, but you can avoid a lot of obstacles, as you said, with the help of somebody who has more experience than you. I'm very grateful that he he took the time to to help me and to guide me on this professional career. He is still a professional photographer. And instead of seeing me as a threat or as an annoyance, he saw me as uh, as his partner, actually. So he saw that I was very willing to, uh, you know, put the effort and I was excited and I had a little bit of background in photography. So he understood that I was not coming from nothing. And he told me, listen, I don't see you as a threat. I see you as a partner. So that means that I'm going to teach you everything I know so that if one day I need somebody to help me with my photography because I cannot take some photos or something, you can do it for me. He wanted me to become him, basically, so that he could send me to his clients knowing that I would deliver the same quality of work. And that was very smart of him because I I did manage to do uh, that for him. And so I started getting some gigs thanks to him also that helped me build my portfolio and he helped him build his confidence in me. It was a win-win situation for both of us as long as we kept it like that, meaning it is beneficial for me to be with you. It was all good. Eventually we parted ways because he left the country, but not because, uh, you know, we had a, we had a professional, uh, problem or a personal problem not at all he's still my friend he just lives in another place so we don't work together anymore yeah having a win-win situation is important when you work with more experienced photographers and i think in general i would recommend finding a mentor to anybody who is starting out in photography if it's possible then it's really good to have someone who can guide you whenever you need help and whom you can help in return in some way. Definitely. I I mean, I, I just said it before and I'm going to say it again and I'm going to repeat what you're saying. Having a mentor was crucial to me for my professional career. I don't know if for personal photography, if you're not too serious about it and you just enjoy taking photos, if you need a mentor, maybe that's an overkill. But if you want to dedicate your time and, and career uh, to become a photographer, 
I definitely advise having a mentor. And I know now, right now it's easier to have, you know, like tutorials online and stuff and follow some videos and whatever, but it's, it's not the same. It's not the same. And yeah, they can give you some, uh, some uh, advice that can be valuable, of course. But having somebody there, uh, you know, taking you under their wing for every shooting that you have. For example, I remember sharing photos of, uh, of a gig that I would do with him, with my ex-mentor, and he would, you know, run through the photos and tell me this photo, you can do this, this, this and that. So it's better for your client and so on. So, you know, there's many, many things that you can get from a, a one-to-one mentor that you're not going to get from just watching a YouTube video or uh, following a tutorial or whatever. Absolutely. And then you were able to build your own business and now you have a very diverse portfolio filled with corporate photos, portrait photos, all kinds of images. Many of your photographs are taken in studios with professional lighting equipment. What advice would you give to photographers who want to improve their studio portraits? Yes, I. that's a very good question. So I think knowing how to use light uh, for a corporate shooting, it's very, very important, especially if you're doing portraiture because you're going to control how the sun moves or what is the, the light that you're going to have that day. Maybe it can be predictable in some, you know, some regions of, of the world, but where I am, it can be sunny one day and it can be very cloudy the other day and, and you never know. So when you have the power of a light, you know, at the tip of your hands, I think you should, tip of your finger, sorry. I think you should definitely try to use that uh, to your advantage. So you get a more consistent look, maybe on portraiture. If you're taking a photos of a, a team and there are 10 people and it takes time to take photos of someone. So if the light is not the same, they might not be happy. The client might not be happy with the results because the light is completely different. If it's late, maybe you don't have any light anymore. So it, it is crucial to have some knowledge of how to use lights. For me, it was not a big problem to start using lights in a professional way because I was already using lights in street photography. It, it only helped me starting already with a, with professional lightning because I already had some knowledge of using flash in my, in my street photography. But uh, if you don't have any knowledge about how to use lights, the, I'm pretty sure there are many occasion and potentially very good tutorials online on how to use a flash you got to you know get a hold of of some lights and if you don't feel like investing too much in it i maybe recommend uh starting photographers to go to a studio where they can rent the studio and their lights for maybe a day and take some some models with them some friends that could come some family members and try out with the camera and the light of course, maybe watch some some tutorials before doing that so you don't waste your time there and, and try the light, you know, put it to the left, put it to the right, put it up, put it down, put it on the back and see what is the effect that it creates on, on your photo and how you can master uh, the light uh, by having these professional lights. They can be very, very powerful and, and important in your in your portfolio. That's great advice. I think renting a studio and renting lighting equipment is very helpful. It can save you time and it can also give you an idea of what does and doesn't work for you. I live in a small town, but even here we have a studio a few kilometers away. So hopefully all the listeners can find a studio where they live. But I think they're pretty accessible most of the time and pretty affordable too, right? Yes. I mean, uh, I remember I was lucky that when I started, I got a set of lights as a gift to try out. 
And so I started using that. And actually that equipment uh, was my equipment for, I don't know, maybe uh, five years or something until I was like, okay, maybe I need to upgrade a little bit and not use this thing anymore. But uh, definitely going to a studio is, uh, is, uh, is a good idea because then you don't need to make the investment. That the, I mean, the investment can be very expensive, especially if you start getting uh, two sets of lights, maybe three. You, you don't need, you know, all these fancy things. You, you need one light, one, one stand to hold the light and maybe a softbox if you want to, you know, make that your light is not so strong on the subject. And that's it. So with those three things, you can you can already start. But that can, if you're low on budget and you're starting and you're afraid that you're going to invest in something that maybe two years after is going to be obsolete, I strongly recommend you that you get a hold of, you know, some some lights, try it out, see if you like it. And if you like it and you like the feeling of it and you like the results, maybe think about investing or keep using an, uh, a studio or a rental until you feel like, okay, now is the time for me to invest in an equipment. I know photographers that when I talk about light, and artificial light like flash, they get uh, very defensive and they start saying, no, that's not okay, that's not natural, you should never use uh, studio lights, you should never use a flash, you should always use the, you know, the sun and the available light. And for me, although I agree to a certain extent about natural light and how the beauty of it and everything, I think part of their speech is I have no idea how to use a flash or I have no idea how to use you know, a professional light and I am scared of using it or I'm scared of learning how to use it. And so I prefer sticking to natural light. That's the, on the message underlying, you know, for me, at least, I feel that they're just not comfortable with it and they prefer just staying away from it. But I think that's uh, that's a mistake. I think they should know how to use it. And if they don't want to use it, that's that's different. It's just like having a tool in your hands and knowing when to use it and how to use it. That's There's a lot of value in that. Absolutely. Yeah, that makes total sense. And being able to know when and how to use something, as you just said, that is the most important thing in photography. You don't need to stick to a specific kind of lighting all the time. You don't need to shoot in the same location all the time. You just need to know when and how to do that. And I think that takes a lot of practice and intuition. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I've taken photos in natural light, portraits in natural light, using strong sun to get some nice, beautiful contrasts and, you know, take these photos out in the streets and and also in a, in a, maybe in an apartment that has some nice windows and stuff. And yeah, it is beautiful. But when you don't have that possibility because the, the natural conditions are not, are not allowing you to, to do that, a light can come very, very handy. If you have enough practice and you're clever enough with the, with the lights, you can definitely make an artificial light look like natural light to the point that, you know, the viewer might not understand that you're using artificial lights. And that's when you become, you know, you, you get to, to a certain point in which I, I can make this effect and nobody will notice that I was using just artificial light. I think that's that's very nice. Of course. Yeah, that's a, an amazing skill to have. As you said, the weather changes all the time, depending on where you live here as well. The sun is out one second and then the next it's gone. And so that can be a bit frustrating. So it's really good to have some kind of stable light source that you can work with regardless of the lighting conditions. Yeah, it definitely helps. And again, as I said, you don't need the big equipment, so you can, you can make it happen. Our online photography community is a place where you can grow your skills and learn something new every single day. If you want to join conversations like this one and connect with like-minded photographers from across the world, you're in the perfect place. 
We have a special discount code for our podcast listeners. We're offering 50% off your first year as an extraordinary or limitless member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code greatbigphotographyworld. You mentioned earlier that sometimes you work with corporations. So sometimes you have a group of people, let's say 10 people that you need to work with, and you only have 10 to 15 minutes with each person. How do you communicate with clients to ensure that they have the best experience in those 15 minutes? The 10, 15 minutes is a rule that I uh, that I set myself based on the experience that I've had. I mean, within 15 minutes, normally I get the portrait that I want when I'm talking about uh, a corporate headshot. These headshots are not super creative uh, normally, and they want something quite standard, uh, you know, with a, maybe a white background or maybe a background that is the office. So artistically, it's not so, uh, you know, creative. You don't have to do a lot. You just have to put your light in the right place so the, the face looks good. And most of the people are just interested in, in how they look on the photo. And knowing that it's not a super artistic uh, creation. So as long as they look at the photo and they're like, yes, I like how I look, it's fine. So those 10 minutes allow me to to work on that photo. And normally what I do is that uh, I, I am quite natural speaking with people. I don't have a lot of problems speaking with people. Uh, so it's like, hi, I'm going to take some photos of you. I'm going to give you some tips on how you can look better. And then I give them some tips and, you know, that starts breaking the ice a little bit. So I don't, I don't start like, Hey, get there. And I just start taking photos without talking to them. That doesn't work. I, I talk to them for about three to five minutes. I give them some tips. I'm, I'm quite natural in the way that I speak. So that helps to make them understand it's not a passport photo. Uh, I'm, I'm here to, to make something that you like. This photo is for you, even though this is a corporate shot for your company. The important thing is that you are happy with the results. So that means that I'm going to take some photos of you. We're going to look at the photos in my computer. And then the idea is that you select your favorite photo right now, if, if you can. And if you see the photos and you're like, oh my God, these photos are horrendous. Don't worry because we can take more photos. As I said, the idea is that you are happy with the photos. So the way that it goes is that uh, I start taking some photos, maybe 10 photos or something like that. Maybe I tell them, ah, move a little bit to the left, move a little bit to the right, turn here. And then uh, the, the photos are directly downloaded to my computer so I can see the photos right away. And I show them the photos and then they might be like, oh, I love this photo. Let's, this is the photo. I'm, I'm happy with this photo. Or it might be, oh, I don't like any of the photos. Uh, can we take more photos? And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Let's take more photos. And then we do maybe a second set of photos. And then that can happen for three, four times, depending on the person, until we finally get to a photo. And all of this process I just told you takes between 10 to 15 minutes. This is based on my experience. And this is how I sell my, my services to my clients. So it's basically you have 10 people that you want to photograph. It's going to take... 100 to 150 minutes. That's how I base my shooting. So I tell them to be sure, let's do two hour shooting for these 10 people. And I need uh, about 10 minutes per person allocated. So I can be with them in the in, in the place where I'm taking the photo in your offices. And, and then the next one comes. I think it's such an efficient way to deal with models because as you said, you have so many people waiting for you and just dedicating 10 to 15 minutes and doing what you do is enough to get really good results. 
and it's a great way to handle somebody's business as well because you need to be efficient with these people they don't have time and you also want to get through everything in a productive way and you found a method that works for you which is very amazing i've heard of corporate shoots being done this way but i have never heard about the details of the shoots so this was really interesting for me to listen to this is not something that not even not even my my ex-mentor taught me any of this. this this just came by doing and doing and doing and i understood uh you know some of the, some of the things that you just mentioned like you know they they're busy they're working they don't want to be so interrupted at the same time they want to have a nice photo and they want to have a nice experience so i do my best to accommodate to you know to all of that uh, understanding that i'm working for a client this is not a personal shooting of course i can make some photos that i also like so that i can use in my portfolio the, the ultimate goal is to make the, the client happy but i do set my conditions as i said i tell them i need at least 10 minutes per person and it has happened that some people tell me like listen we don't have not even 10 minutes per person can you make any less time and i'm like yeah sure i can i can do that i cannot guarantee though that you're going to like the results because people might not be happy these are compromises that also the clients need to understand that if if they want a quality job uh, quality photos they also need to accommodate my requests. Otherwise, it, it's better that they work with someone else. When they see my photos and they like what I've done and they see my, my uh, how to say, my conditions, then most of the times they're okay. Of course, there are some people that do not want to work with me. Maybe they get another offer from another photographer and they're happy with that. And, that, and that's fine. That's part of the, uh, that's part of the, the business. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code podcast to get 50% of your first year as a premium member. What I like about your business approach to photography is that you have very clear instructions and requirements on your website. You have a very detailed FAQ page and it answers many questions that clients have, such as what you said, like how long it will, will it take to shoot with a client? What will you provide us with? You provide very, very detailed answers. And I think that saves you a lot of time and it gives clients a very clear idea of who you are. Should every photographer who offers services like yours have a, an FAQ section on their website as well? I strongly recommend to have a FAQ section on the website because I have gotten so many times the same questions over and over and over about how I take photos, what do they expect, uh, and so on and so forth, that uh, this really saved me <laughs> writing a bunch of stuff over and over again. And what I do is uh, with cl when clients contact me, I reply to their, you know, to their query. I say, um, please, if you have any questions, check the FAQ section first. 
And if you still have questions, I'm more than happy to reply to your questions. And normally it doesn't, you know, it doesn't lead to further questions. Maybe there's a little detail like, ah, what about this specific uh, case? What can we do? And then uh, of course I reply. I did this FAQ to save myself some time of uh, writing over and over the same things. And I think it gives clarity to the, to the client as in this guy is an open book. I understand what I'm going to get. Do I like it? Yes. Then I'm going to contact him. And there's a pretty big chance that it might lead to making business with them. Whereas uh, it can happen. I, I take a lot of time in, I, I used to take it. Now I don't do it anymore, but uh, I used to take a lot of time in going to websites of other photographers, especially photographers in Brussels to understand my competition and to see what they had to uh, to offer and how they presented their services. And I was trying to fill those gaps in which maybe my competition doesn't say anything about how long does it take, or they don't say anything about how many pictures uh, the client is going to get. And maybe they say all of this information when they reply to a client, but I wanted to put it out there to sort of like to already give that answer to my clients so that they don't have to go through the process of asking me also a bunch of questions, save their time basically. So if they already have the answer to a bunch of questions by going to my FAQ page, well, then it's potentially easier for them to get in touch with me and actually get to business, if you know what I mean. Yeah, because these companies usually, as you just said, sometimes they don't even have 15 minutes to give and sometimes they do and even then they want to save time. So having those answers right in front of them already before even contacting you is very helpful. Is there anything else that you think every photographer should have on their website, maybe a specific section or a specific page? I remember when I started my professional photography, I had this uh, eagerness of showing everything that I had produced so far, you know, like the best of my best work. And that actually led to a lot of confusion. Uh, for my clients. I remember my my current wife at the time, She she I was dating her and she told me, listen, you, you have very good photos. However, I don't understand what can I get with you. Like if I go to your website, I have no idea what services you provide. Do you have a preference? What, what is your preference? Where do you want to focus? I was like, wow, that's actually a very good question because uh, I'm putting all this stuff here that maybe I don't even want to, I don't, I don't want to do. And I'm putting it here so that people see that I do it but that doesn't mean that I, I want to do it anymore. <laughs> I remember having a section of like wedding photography. I didn't like taking photos of weddings and I still don't like it and I don't want to do it. So I don't advertise that. So I think a good to go uh, thing on a website is really presenting portfolios of the things that you want to do as a photographer. So if you don't want to do weddings and you have an amazing wedding photo, don't even put it there. Just keep it to the things that you want to do. You want to do portraits, then focus on portraits on your on your website. That's what I would do. You have to put yourself in the in the position of the client. The client is going to uh, look for a photographer for a specific type of shooting. Do you show that you can do that type of shooting? And if you don't, maybe it's because you don't have a portfolio yet, which can happen, but maybe it's also because you don't want to do it. So maybe it's a good idea that that client doesn't fall on your lap. And you might, you might think, ah, yeah, but then I'm losing an opportunity, but not necessarily because if you want to focus on, on portraits, uh, for example, and you only have portraits, there's a big chance that when they do need portraits, they're going to come to you because they're going to find your portfolio as well, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, another thing that you need to have on your website, and this is related to what I just said, 
is that you need to have a good search engine optimization, what is known as a sale. Because if clients cannot find your website, they will never contact you. Because I come from an IT background, I spent a lot, a lot of time improving my, my SEO on my website. So I would you know, be sure that people could find my work and could contact me. And I have to say that that really, really helped, you know, to build also my portfolio and get started with my business. So not only having a mentor, but also having a website that shows what you want to do, even if you have only five photos and uh, working a lot on the SEO. So um, that's really important. If someone doesn't have an IT background, how should they start when it comes to the SEO side of things if they're building a website? That's a good question. I think there's many, many tutorials online on how to do SEO. There are many out there that are for free. YouTube helps you a lot. And if this sounds overwhelming, what I'm just saying, you have to know that even being from IT, I had to do a lot of Google and YouTube search to understand how could I improve my, my website. If you have no idea about anything about websites and how to do them, Maybe a good solution is to start with a service that already gives you a template to, to have a website like, and I'm, I'm not paid by these people because I'm not, I don't even have a website with them, uh, but it could be Squarespace, for example. I know you can also use WordPress. My website is, on, is, is a WordPress-based website. Uh, it gives you a lot of flexibility. And then you have like plugins that allow you to work on the SEO aspect of, uh, of your website. So there are tools out there. You just have to, you know, <laughs> overcome the uh, uncomfort of understanding what SEO means. But if you want to get clients, you definitely need to know what SEO is and how you can make it on your website. So people, when they Google photography in Vancouver and you're there, they find you. It's, it's very important to work on that if you want to get clients online, because this is also the other thing that I want to mention. I got to Brussels and I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody. And so my only way at the beginning to get clients was through Google. So when a corporation would Google, I want an event photographer in Brussels, my website would come up. So that was my goal for the first years of my of, you know, business endeavor here in Brussels. And now it's already, it's already in the top pages. So I don't, I don't need to work too much about it. Yes, I need to maintain it, but uh, it's not so difficult right now as, as it was before. Yeah. You need to put the effort <laughs> basically. Yes. It requires commitment, but after you take that first step, I think things will get easier. You just need to leave your comfort zone and do some research. And of course it will take time, but you will develop these skills that you can use for a long time when working on your website. And it might lead to more clients and more exposure. And that's super important for any photography business, of course. Yeah, there, there are many other tricks. I, I, I did other things as well. SEO was not the only thing. There's only, you know, um, that people start talking about you when you work with them and stuff. That helps, but that doesn't necessarily brings a client, if, if you know what I mean. I mean, somebody can like how I work and then they recommend me to another person, but maybe that person doesn't like how I work or doesn't like my work or they don't have the budget to work with me or I don't know, there, there can be many things, but when somebody is Googling and, and they find your, your website and they go through it and I think increases the chances, let's put it like that. So th there are other techniques to get clients. It's not the only way uh, to have a, a nice website, but it definitely, definitely helps, especially for people that have not heard about you at all. Okay. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you very much for sharing that. 
On your yep. website, you also have a section filled with your personal work, and many of those images are related to street photography. As you said, you consider yourself a street photographer, and one of the projects is called Faces and Photography. For that project, you took over 1,400 street portraits in Belgium. I know that approaching people on the street can be quite intimidating, and you did say that you are comfortable with speaking with people and you have good social skills, but I still think it was quite nerve-wracking, no? And how did you deal with that discomfort? Yeah, uh, as I told you, I don't have a lot of problem talking to people, so uh, approaching a stranger in the streets is not a it's not a big problem to me. It also depends on what what do I need to get from this person. Of course, I have a hard time approaching a person and asking them for their phone number, for example, or saying, uh, "I find you attractive. Can I have your phone number?" Or something. I find that extremely awkward. So I could never do something like that. However, I I have a very clear objective that I don't think it re, you know it trespasses any any boundaries and it's just like hi I I find you very interesting I would like to take some photos of you is that okay for you and you know I got some rejections but most of the time I got a yes sure no problem and this project faces and photography as you're mentioning I started it because I wanted to force myself to take photos in the streets every day I wanted to become a photographer a professional photographer and it couldn't that couldn't be possible if i wouldn't practice photography every day at least to to what i was thinking back then i wanted to improve in my photography i wanted to understand uh, my camera i wanted to understand how to deal with people and so i created this project out of thin air so I could force myself to go out to the streets every day. And the idea was for me to take a photo of one stranger at least every day in the streets. No excuse. The only excuse was not being in Brussels. If it was raining, if I was tired, if uh, I didn't like the weather, if it was cold, it didn't matter. I wanted to go out and take photos. And it took a lot of uh, effort and commitment. And uh, I thought about abandoning the project many, many times. But I persevered and I took, uh, as you said, over 1,400 uh, portraits. And it was a nice experience because as a street photographer, what I was actually doing was just going out to take photos of the streets. And then I would see somebody that would be interesting and I would stop and ask, can I take a photo of you? So I used the excuse of faces and photography to, to do more street photography, improve my photography, uh, made it a habit in my life and also improved my portfolio because I used some of those photos at the beginning uh, that I took on the streets to, uh, you know, put on my website and stuff. It was not just a tiny project. It was a project that ticked many boxes for me and it was very important uh, to me to continue doing that project. So yeah, the discomfort of approaching people, uh, you know, to go back to your question, that, that was never really a problem for me. If I saw someone that was interesting, I would just go like, hey, I, I, I find you very interesting. <laughs> I know this is awkward maybe for you, but I would really love to take a photo of you. Is that okay for you? And the more I did it, the more natural it became to me, the more I understood what I needed to do uh, with them. So I knew where to put them on the street. I knew what I wanted as a background. I knew how they needed to look at the camera and so on and so on. And actually with this project, I made, I made some friends uh, and some connections. And, you know, it made me feel a bit less uh, lonely in Brussels, if you if you may. Wow. So you were able to achieve many goals because of this project. You had more photographs for your portfolio. You were able to improve your street photography skills. 
you also made some friends in a place where you didn't have many connections. So there's so many benefits. And it's all because you persevered. And as you said, there were moments when you didn't feel like continuing with the project, but you still kept pushing forward and you ended up with such a huge and very impressive portfolio. I do have a question as someone who doesn't have any street photography experience. When you approach someone and you ask for their photograph, how does it usually work in the sense that do they ask you to send them the photograph? Is it okay to send them the picture? Should you offer to send them the picture first? How does it work? In the case of faces and photography, what I did is uh, I asked, hey, can I take a photo of you? And many people will be, uh, what is this about? Like, why, why, why do you want to take a photo of me? Is this a project? What are you talking about? And I would, you know, explain my project and I would say this is a project that I'm doing, taking photos of people in the streets. And I want to know what people think about photography in one word while I take a, you know, I, I want to take a photo of you. So I have the memory of you um, in, in the photo. And so I would take the photo, they will accept or no, or maybe they will say no, and I'm not interested or whatever. Let's say that they say yes. So I take the photo, I show them the photo, and then I would say, if you want, I can send you the photo. Uh, you just need to give me your email. Is it okay for you that I that I share your photo? And people would say yes, or if they would say no, I don't want you to share my photo, then I would be like, yeah, okay, maybe maybe it's not so good for me that I that I take your photo because the also the goal of my project was to share the photo of the day on on the blog that I had. I had a Tumblr back in the day, and every day I was posting the photo of the day from Faces and Photography. So if they would say like, no, I don't want my photo published, I would be like, okay, I can take a photo of you if you want and give it to you, but uh, yeah, I'm not gonna use it. But that for me, that was like, it's like a missed shot almost. It's like, I, I cannot use that photo, so it's useless to me. So yeah, I would ask them and uh, I would ask for their email. Most of the people uh, share with me their email and I share the photo with them. But some people will be like, yeah, I don't care. Like just take the photo and use it for your project, it's fine. I will not know their email or, you know, I will not share the photo with them. Yeah, it, it was very varied, but uh, in regards of uh, using their photo online and sharing it with them, yeah, of course, I, I, I told them that I was going to use it online. I offered them to share with them, and many were happy to get the photo afterwards. That helped also. Yeah, that's great. I've never witnessed anyone taking street photographs, so I, I'm sure that was a very newbie question to ask, but thank you for enlightening me. <laughs> no, no newbie question, don't worry. I, I understand that this, this project can you know, bring some questions on how I do it and what, what's happening with the people. I understand that. However, I wanted to clarify something. Uh, this project for me, I did not consider this project a street photography project. For me, this is a, a clear photography, how do you say, portrait project. And so um, I was using the streets to find my models. For me, this had nothing to do with what I consider to be a street photo, just clarifying. Okay, thank you for the clarification. That leads to my next question, which is your other street photography projects that are exclusively street photographs. What draws you to a scene in street photography? That's a tough question. There are many things that can that can draw me to, to a scene. At the beginning, when I when I started taking street photos, it was people. Mostly, it was maybe shadows. It was contrast. It was uh, the shapes of the things that were around uh, in my my frame. Not even colors, because I started taking photos in black and white at the beginning. I was afraid of color, <laughs> uh, 
And then I switched to color. I never looked back. Now I don't take photos in black and white, but that's, that's just a parenthesis. So right now I've been more interested in, in scenes without people mostly. Whereas before, if my photo didn't have any person, I would not take the photo. So for me, it was mostly focused on humans and and now it's focused more on on human traces if you, if that makes any sense so i am super attracted now to like architecture a street that is empty maybe a, a cemetery and how it combines with the trees in the back i'm interested in how nature blends with the human made objects interested in in, in maybe the shape of a of a wall or trash on the ground. So I'm, I'm taking more photos like that. And some people in the street photography community might argue that what I'm doing right now is not really street photography. And that's okay with me. I don't care about the, uh, the definition or the purest definition of street photography. But um, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that right now. Whereas before it was very much about the human character in my photos. So I wanted to see some expressions, some maybe some weird situations between between people uh, in the streets. It's it's like a jungle out there sometimes, you know. There's so many things that are happening, uh, you know, in the urban areas where people uh, are, and and there's so many people on the streets are walking, they're minding their own business, and sometimes they think nobody's looking at them. <laughs> But that was exactly what I was doing before. I was observing people a lot and trying to anticipate maybe what they were going to do, if they will have repeated actions and stuff. But I was always ready with my camera, like almost next to my eye with my finger on the shutter, ready to just snap away. And that's how I did most of my photography at the beginning. Whereas now I just walk with my camera on my chest. I'm not desperate to take photos. I stop a lot, I, I move a little bit, see the angles, and uh, if there's like a person, I almost wait for the person to <laughs> to leave the scene and uh, my, uh, my frame. So yeah, it has it has changed quite a lot. It's very interesting that your style has evolved and that you're aware of how much it has evolved and in what ways it has changed. And it seems like you've become more comfortable. As you said, it, you used to be more alert. And now you are still alert, of course, but you're not as desperate to take a certain kind of photograph. It seems like you just go with the flow. And I think that comes with experience. And it's also a less stressful way to approach photography. Yeah. Let's say that uh, if I didn't want to miss anything human related, like a movement of somebody, I needed to be super alert to not miss it. And of course, I missed millions of moments. uh, But uh, yeah, I also took some other nice moments. Maybe what what led me to to be in the, in the place where I am right now is that I'm 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 not so interested about in humans anymore I, I guess so yeah it comes with experience but um, it, it's also I I changed I, I I feel that I changed I'm not interested in those uh, subjects anymore I'm interested in a different subject so I don't need to be so alert of course I'm I'm observing but I'm not observing the same things and so I shifted my my observations let's put it like that. I like that because it shows that you, as you grow as a person, your style and your skills also change in some way and you adapt to whatever you're feeling in the moment. For me as well, I've been taking photos for a long time and I can see a very big difference between how I used to shoot and how I shoot now. 
And I can sense in the last few years that my interests have been changing. I don't want to take photos with the same things anymore. I want to go in a different direction. And I can see how that's scary for a lot of people, including myself. But it can also be very refreshing and life-changing for your personal work. Definitely. It's a, it's a good example, as you're saying. It can be it can be scary. I remember when I started taking street photos and I was focusing on humans and, and stuff. Uh, I would do a lot of research uh, about street photography and I would see some examples of street photography and I would be like, wow, this is wonderful like how people are doing this and capturing humans in this way. And then I would see photos similar to what I'm doing today. And I would think like, oh, this is horrendous. Like, why why would anyone take photos like this? And uh, that's so boring and whatever. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, I will never get there. And look at me, I'm doing exactly that right now. And uh, <laughs> I don't feel uncomfortable. I actually find it very uh, appealing and, um, and peaceful um, <laughs> that I don't need to... Yeah, be so alert in taking these photos of people in the streets. And it also comes with a, and I guess this this is maybe the lazy side of uh, of me as a photographer, and it's dealing with people. Because when you take photos in the streets, there's a lot of people that uh, can get offended. They don't understand what you're doing. There's a lot of mistrust uh, with photographers. And so the moment that you point a camera to someone, you know, it can, it can get uncomfortable. I have had my share amount of... Uh, discussions in the streets with people and I don't feel like that anymore I don't feel like having to deal with that anymore and that also took me took me away from taking photos of humans because I know I can get into a discussion and I don't feel like having a discussion anymore you know I got tired of it and so yeah I took the lazy let's put it like that the lazy more comfortable approach but it's also a switch in interest I respect that I think taking photos on the street can lead to a lot of uncomfortable situations, as you just said. And I just imagined myself in a situation like that. I would definitely avoid it. <laughs> I would rather take photos of human traces, as you said, where people aren't as present. Um, but yeah, sometimes I guess you have to leave your comfort zone, but sometimes if it really gets to you and it takes away from your love for photography, then it's good to switch to something different. It's interesting to see how you've evolved, definitely. And thank you for sharing that honest view of street photography. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for your questions. <laughs> I have one more question for you, and that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Oh, that's a, that's a big question. I remember I have many photography books, and I, I have a collection of photography books because I, lo- I love going through the books. I haven't been doing that lately, but I, I love sitting down and, and just absorbing those images as much as I can. And I guess my, my yeah, maybe big uh, goal in, in my photography life is to manage to end up in, in people's collection of photo books, you know, with, with my photos and some, to leave some sort of legacy that is just, it's beyond the digital legacy because the digital, yeah, I mean, we have no idea what's gonna happen with the digital world. And to be honest, also not with like books and stuff, but I, I do hope that in, you know, 100 years from now, we still have photo books and it will be beautiful to me if people 100 years from now would be browsing my images on on photo books. And also for, for uh, yeah, for for my daughter, I think I think um, I am somehow fascinated about the idea of leaving this photography legacy to her as well. 
So for me, she doesn't need to be a photographer. She doesn't need to take photos uh, or anything like that. But um, that she can also go through through this archive of my work and be like, wow, look at what my dad did. It's maybe a silly thing to say, but uh, I, I think uh, I will feel very proud if she will be proud of, <laughs> of my work. No, it's definitely not a silly thing to say. I think it's very sweet and heartwarming. And I understand what you mean about physical books, because something that is tangible feels more real. And of course, digital photography is amazing when you see it online. But for me personally as well, it's much more fascinating when it's right in my hands and I can look at my own work in print. It's very exciting. And I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. I learned a lot about street photography thanks to you. And I am sure that you will be able to produce more work that your daughter will be very proud to look at in the future. Thank you very much for having me for your great questions and interaction. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode with Danny Oshi. I like the way that he approaches his work. I like that he's fearless when it comes to approaching people on the streets. And I am a big fan of his Faces and Photography project. Make sure to check out his work. If you have any questions for him or if you just want to share your thoughts on these episodes, make sure to join our online photography community. We have a great group of people there who are always happy to provide you with constructive criticism and just talk about podcast episodes. It's a really nice place to be. There's a link to it in the description, so make sure you join today if you haven't already. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week. Our photography community wouldn't be what it is without its amazing members. We're working on many exciting projects and have lots of great perks waiting to be discovered by you. For a small monthly fee, you'll receive all kinds of perks. If you join as an extraordinary member, you'll get an ad-free experience, access to every subforum, access to our 52-week project, the ability to connect with all of our members, and more. As a Limitless member, you'll get all of the perks that I just mentioned and access to all of our premium courses and Lightroom presets. This is the perfect opportunity for anybody who wants to elevate their skills without paying thousands of dollars for courses. We're sure that you'll love being a part of our community if you're a fan of this podcast. In addition to meeting new people, you'll learn something new about photography every day which will help you improve quickly. It's also much more fun to take photographs when you have a group of amazing photographers supporting you. Go to photographycourse.net to find out more and to get 50% off your first year as a member. We can't wait to see you in our community. And again, just as a reminder, go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD. We can't wait to see you there. There's a simple reason why photographycourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.